Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. How are we doing, church? My name is Bryant Lee Pastor. If you are brand new with us, so Angela already says this is uh, our two-week vision series. Try to do this at least once a year. But before I dive in, um, in two weeks, she already mentioned Back to School Bash, huge event to invite our community for our community. Then the next day, August 7th, that Sunday, I started a brand new series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And it's all about how you make better decisions and carry less baggage, which all of us want, all of us are concerned about. So faith, no faith, this is a great, great weekend to invite and can't wait for that series to start. Um, but today uh, is the start of our vision series. I said, it's my wife, Nicole, if you don't know her. Um, she's going to help me out in the front end of this. So already we're off to there, starting in the nine. I can tell there's You're more energy, up this morning. which I love. So here's my made-up definition of vision. Vision is basically an answer to a perceived problem. And if you think about it, that's actually where all vision comes from. Even um, a product in the marketplace is an answer to, hey, I think we can make this better, or I think that there's a void, and so we're going to create and manufacture this, or any organization or nonprofit. It's almost always the answer to a perceived problem. Like, here's what I see, and here's how I think it needs to be changed. Another way you could say it is it's a preferred picture of a better future. And so vision is like a part of our DNA. I think God's given us that. And I start with that because vision as it relates to a local church started with me when I met a girl by the name of Lauren, uh, just out of business school, is in my first marketplace job. We were both uh, early 20s, and I got to know her over many months, and she had a typical story of a lot of 20-somethings, like she's trying to figure out, you know, her future, purpose. She had a lot of religious and church trauma, and over a lot of months of tracking with her, we finally had kind of this serious conversation, and um, it took a while to lead up to this, but I began to talk to her about the fact that I think Jesus and what Jesus is about and what Jesus is offering is really different than the church experience that she had and the religious trauma that she had experienced. And I'll never forget, we were in a cafeteria and she looked across the table at me and she's like, I want to believe that. And then she said this, and this is like bothered me slash haunted me ever since. She's like, but my experience growing up with the local church, because she grew up in the church, and my experience with religious leaders and my experience with religion makes it really difficult to believe any of what you're talking about in regard to Jesus. And I just remember that it bothered me. And, and I started to have this kind of, oh, crap moment, which is the only way I can describe it, of, of how do I introduce this girl to a church where none of them are perfect, but where it, it in some ways represents Jesus well and connects her to the invitation of what Jesus is offering? Because a lot of times, this is an overstatement, but churches kind of tend to be in one of two extremes. It's like theologically accurate, you know, believe all the right stuff, you know, kind of whatever that means. Uh, exclusive club, and she would never feel welcome there. Like, they, they're not answering any of the questions that she's asking, and they're great people, but she would go one time and never go back, so I knew that was an option. And then a lot of times on the other extreme is like, especially in 2022, a lot of cool churches, like great band, good branding, everybody's casual, great whatever. I mean, there's lots of those. But that doesn't mean it's a safe place for people like Lauren, who I'd met, that whether it's agnostic or atheist or skeptical or away for a decade or struggling with big sin issues, like just because it's cool and good branding does not mean that it's communicating at street level where she's at and answering her questions. And so there was like this crisis for me because I love the church. My dad is still a pastor. He's on our staff. But there were not enough churches that were reaching this girl. And there were not enough churches for people like me who had served Jesus for a long time but recognized it wasn't about me. That the church is for the city, for the community, for the world. And I, I just began to be bothered. And some of you know this kind of dynamic. Like the church can either be a huge bridge to connect people to Jesus and potentially transform their life. Or the church can be a massive obstacle. And the thing that like, I don't want to overuse this, but haunts me is the fact that for some, when it becomes an obstacle, they walk away from Jesus and they never come back. That's why the stakes are so unbelievably high. And so for the first time in my life, 
I felt like God calling an audible about where I thought I was going. And I felt this moral imperative of, I think God's calling me to do something about this and start a church, which was crazy because my dad is still the most influential man in my life. Incredible pastor, so faithful. I was like, I am not that guy. I, this is, I, I, God's got it wrong. I, I don't think this is for me. And I had a really good relationship with my boss. So I went in to see him. And she, in human terms, there's no way I should have quit this job. Things were going really well. And so I went in, and he also kind of shared my faith, so I thought maybe he would kind of affirm what God was doing in my life. So I was like, hey, long story short, I told him the whole thing. I was like, I think God's calling me to start his church, but I just don't feel like I'm that guy. And then I just paused, and I waited for his encouragement. And he looked back across the table, and he's like, I totally don't think you're that guy either. That's <laughs> not for you. But then what's funny is, I'm sorry, I know you're tight on time, so I've been real quiet. But then he ended up coming like six years later to the church yeah, he did. for an like, extended amount of time. So, like, so um, Ironic. So he did. But, that, but I just, not overstate it, but I just felt ruined in the best possible way where, I mean, it sounds really like out there. But I just felt like I might spend the rest of my life trying to create a different kind of church because I felt it so, so much. And so we had a small group of people, and I mean small group of people, that came around to go, man, we know people just like Lauren, and we want to reach our city and community, and being a cool church isn't enough. We want to be a church that reaches all people. And we eventually created the language and an alternative to church as usual for all people. And the stat statement just means this. For a lot of people, like it or don't like it, the usual for them has not been good. And so maybe we can be a small part of God's big story of the church, which I love, and, and do something for those who are not being reached. And a small group came around that, and we felt like we were so passionate, so ready. Nicole and I had just met. We got married right before the church started. But unbeknownst to us, we felt like God now, in hindsight, had to do some work in our own hearts and personal lives to really anchor this vision and what he had called us to do potentially for the next couple of decades. And so I asked Nicole to kind of share that part of the story. Yeah, we, I, I would say, for lack of a better way to explain it, we were too good, you know. Um, we had done all the right things. We had grown up in great Christian homes. We had a really good relationship with Jesus and the church. And um, I just think we were too good. I think there would have been too much of a divide between us and the type of church that we wanted to create and the type of people we wanted to surround ourselves with. And um, we didn't know that at the time, obviously, but Jesus and his sovereignty did. And so um, uh, about, you know, we our relationship went pretty fast. We were both older. So um, we met in March, got engaged in December, married in May, and then literally two months later, Bryant was named lead pastor. And it was right at that time, if you know my story, you know this, that I really started struggling with symptoms of depression, but we had no context for mental illness at that point in the homes and the churches and the systems we grew up in, mental illness was not a legitimate thing. Um, and we've come a long way in our culture and society with destigmatizing mental illness. We still have a really long way to go and a lot of work to do. But you can imagine for as far as we've come, what it was like 10, 12, 13 years ago. And so um, we just went on a journey for the next several months trying to figure out what was going on, um, why a really godly, Christ-centered girl who had grown up being the it girl in all of her communities, um, now wasn't sure she believed in Jesus, was suicidal, was self-harming, and was physically abusing her husband. Um, and then what do we do with all of that because we're leading a church at the same time? Um, nobody was talking about it. We didn't know who to go to. A very select small group of people actually knew what was going on. Um, we felt so on the outside and so alone. And I just remember us having conversations even back then. Like if we make it out of this, like if we make it out of um, still married because that we weren't sure that was going to happen. Um, and if we make it out where I'm still alive, because honestly, we didn't know if that was going to happen. Um, if God somehow was able to put us back together again, then we would be open and we would talk about this one day. And I think for both of us, um, Jesus had to break down our belief system because it wasn't centered around him. It was centered around rules and um, being good and he had to break that down and rebuild our faith system around him and around the gospel and what it meant to love and to forgive and to offer second chances and what it meant to be driven by grace, not by performance or perfectionism. And so um, 
I think as we went through that journey, we, it, it really created a soft spot in our hearts for people who felt like they weren't good enough, felt like they were too far, felt like they were ashamed, like, felt like they had things that they had to hide. Um, and it also gave us a heartbeat for people who grew up in the church and had a difficult time wrapping their minds around a lot of the things that we stand for and believe in now. And um, I think it's, been a, it's allowed us to be able to enter into both groups, if I can be honest with you, and it's allowed us to be able to talk to both sets of people. You know, Brian talks about the pothead and the Sunday school kid. We can relate to both of them, you know. Um, not that we're potheads, but you understand. <laughs> I felt like I needed this. Who's more likely? Well, excuse me. I'll own it all day long. I'm in the Drew House sweatshirt. Like, that's your fault. Anyways, um, completely derailed me, babe. That was all your fault. Anyways, so we really wanted to create a safe place for anyone struggling with anything. And that really drove us for a number of years. Um, And we waited until about 2018. That was the first time I shared my story. Um, And then a couple months later, January 4th of 2019, my brother committed suicide. Um, He was a pastor at the time, a children's pastor. Um, He had been for six or seven years, but he had gotten addicted to opioids. And um, it completely rewired his brain, and he took his own life on the 4th. And I think that even more solidified what we were doing and what we needed to do in our community was to make sure that people had a safe place to struggle with anything, to talk about anything, to find hope, love, and encouragement. And that started with us being open and real and saying, we don't have it all together. We've never had it all together. But what we can do is is we can point you to the person who does, and that's Jesus Christ. And we can be a living example that it doesn't matter how broken, how far gone you are, what you're still in the middle of. I still have anxiety, depression, and borderline personality disorder. I'm still on medication. I'm still in counseling. But Jesus can take the broken pieces of our lives and put them back together. And that's the kind of church we wanted to create and lead. So. Yeah. I think the way that I would summarize it is because we, we were authentic and passionate about like early on what God wanted us to do. But what changed was this is, is we had a heart for outsiders. But then when we became outsiders. Yes. It changed everything. So now, it, like, we're not ministering to people. It's like, well, hopefully, it's like, no, nah, we're just, we're all on an equal plane, and we need Jesus. And we feel that as much as anybody else feels that. And so that is so important because it is a huge part of our origin story as a church. And so I know you've got to get to CC Kids, um, which is why you're rocking Bieber's. Um, well, I'm, right? I'm one of the official okay. beginning believers, but yes. So I do would you give my wife over. a hand just real quick for helping me out on the first part of this story? So here's what I want to do um, as quickly as I can in a couple minutes is just talk to you about how that story and those experience anchored and really clarified our vision for a church to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And again, it's easy to say that. The, the thing that makes that happen is behaviors and culture. Like one of the things out of that season, I'm going to share about, I think, six of them with you real quick, and then land the plane. And this is not like a normal message. I don't ever sit down. I'm probably not going to sit down this whole time because I get too amped up. Um, in fact, just as a warning, I get so passionate about this stuff, and this is what I have to watch. I start to talk way too fast. I lose everybody in the room because I just can't, I lose my breath because I'm just so like, I just have to share this with you. And it's legitimate. I could talk about this for three hours. I'm not going to, but I am, I feel this so much, but it, it anchored really these behaviors or this mindset in our heart that as a church, that we would be obsessed with reaching people who feel on the outside. And Nicole just said it, but that just means maybe never believed, never really understood, but did the church game, was in the church for two decades, but just absolutely bored with it or sees it as irrelevant or struggling with dysfunction. But whatever puts you on the outside, and I've been there, we wanted to be that kind of church. And the moment we're like, well, I'm not sure that leans a little heavy. Look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Like he tells the story about the hundred sheep. Anybody hear of that. If you grew up in the church, even if you didn't, um, it's completely lost on us because for me, I care nothing about sheep. So initially it's like, I have a hundred sheep and one leaves. I'm like, that's fine. You've got, in fact, you can lose 40 of them. You'll still be fine. You have 60 sheep left. But he's relating that to human beings. He's like, listen, the, the other sheep need to stay healthy. They need to keep growing. But if one of these wanders off, guess where the heart of God goes? Toward the one. And here's what I love about Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus, don't miss this, loved people who were nothing like him 
And as you look at the gospels, people who were nothing like Jesus love Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, we are the body of Christ, which means we represent Jesus on planet earth, which is scary. We should look like Jesus. And every time Jesus spoke, there's these interesting lines. On the front row is the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and the pimps. The church at some level, we should embody that. A bunch of religious people trying to figure it out. And then whatever the equivalent of the pimps, prostitutes, sinners, and tax collectors. No offense to all you people in the first and second row. It's not a judgment. But like that should be the makeup of the local church. It's what Jesus has called us to do. And I just want to say this before I move on. I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of our church over the last couple of years when there's been more cultural pressure than ever before to make decisions around what's going to be good in six months to make all the church people happy. And you didn't do that. So many of you were unbelievably courageous. And you made decisions about where we're going to be in six years for the sake of our city and our neighborhood and our community. We were, we were one of the fastest, one of a hundred fastest growing churches, according to Outreach, in America of a thousand or more right before the pandemic hit. And honestly, that means nothing because that doesn't mean you're healthy. And all of that's great and it's whatever. I'm more, I am more impressed and excited about what you've done since then and the fact that through crisis, I think God even clarified our vision more and it was uncomfortable for some. But I'm telling you, you are reaching some people that nobody else is reaching. And I think it goes to the heart of what Jesus dreams for the local church. We should be obsessed with those who are on the outside because all of us have been on the outside. Second thing is we would be welcoming and accessible to every person imaginable. And come on, how many times have you seen something like that slapped on a wall? Doesn't matter if you say it, because come on, you can say all day long it's welcoming and accessible to everybody. Generally not if you have a different sexual orientation. Generally not if you, you're struggling with some huge overt sin. It's welcoming and accessible to a point, but you always kind of have an idea that somebody has one eye on you going, but when are you going to clean that crap up? Right? Like it's, it's welcoming and accessible to the point of like, yeah, but as long as, you know, you don't have too many questions or too many doubts because we start to get a little bit afraid. And I know that might be a little bit too real for some of you. But here's how I would define welcoming and accessible. It means that everybody can play a part, not just have a seat. I thought I would get more than that, but that's fine. I, like I'll keep going. That's such a big deal because welcoming accessible is not, hey, we saved a seat for you. You can have a seat. You can sit. You can sit in a service. That's not welcoming accessible. Welcoming accessible says in the midst of your dysfunction, there is a place for you somewhere. Because guess what? When you have a part in the body of Christ, that's as close as you're going to get to Jesus, this side of heaven. That's how Jesus has the power to transform your life. I don't know how we miss this, but go back and read the Gospels. Jesus invited people to follow him years before they believed in him. Because he knew if you just hang out with me long enough, everything has the power to change. Several weeks ago, I had a conversation with a couple that was, this is their words, kicked out of the church, couldn't serve for various reasons. They came here. They had a conversation. I think it was kind of like, here's how messed up we are. Can we be a part? And we're like, we have an incredible area for you to serve. They began to serve in that area. It's about, I think it's probably been two years. And they recounted to me how that because of the fact that they were given a place, a role to play a part, that their life has radically been transformed in those two years. And that's what happens when we recognize that that is the body of Christ. The next thing is that we would create the safest place, and this kind of seems similar, but it, it's, it's really important to highlight. We would create the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything. I think that I feel this so much for the next generation because I wonder what would happen if as an 8-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old, you had the opportunity to download serious doubts and questions before you're a 22-year-old college university student what would happen i wonder what would happen if we created environments for the next generation where they could open up about their deepest darkest secrets or the stuff that they're struggling with not so that we could make them into a project but so that we could come alongside of them and love them toward jesus and give them the opportunity to walk through the struggle i want i wonder what would happen with the next generation if we did this the church should be the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything and come on, I know you know this already, but I just want to say this. I'm probably preaching to the choir. But there's no hierarchy of sin, guys. And those of you who grew up in denominations where there was a hierarchy of sin, it's amazing that self-righteousness and arrogance never made their list. 
It usually always had something to do with sex, and then I don't, I don't know what else they add to the list. There's no hierarchy of sin. There is us, and there is Jesus, and we need a rescuer. We need a savior. So whatever it is, whether you're recovering from religion or your own self-righteousness or addiction or whatever else it is, the church has got to be the safest place in the world. Not because we're making you a project to change or to fix, because you're made in the image of God. And if we're willing to walk with you and love you like Jesus, Jesus might change everything in regard to your heart. I had a Zoom set up for me. Or Google Meet or whatever it was. And it was a guy I hadn't known very long, and he was a 20-something, which I have a huge heart for because they're leaving the Western church in droves. And he wanted to talk, and I could tell early on he had something he wanted to say, so I just kind of cut to the chase. I was like, so tell me what you want to talk about. And he started to download for me about 15 years worth of serious struggle. And I, no joke, I'm, I'm tearing up on the Google Meet going, the fact that you know everything to say as a pastor is a misnomer. I, I always just lean into like, I probably am not going to say anything. I don't have answers, but I'll, I'll tell you I love you. And I'll, I'll try to connect you with somebody if there's somebody who can help you. But I don't have answers for you. And I, I felt that way. And then I asked him the question. I said, have you ever talked to anybody about this in your life? And he just point blank. And I knew he'd grown up in the church. He just looked back at me over the screen and he said, I've never told a single person in my life, nobody in the church, nobody in my family, because I was taught that you can't struggle with this in the local church. And in that moment, I'm telling you, I was so proud of our church because this isn't me. You created, somehow you created an environment where this 20-something kid felt enough like assurance to hit up his pastor who he barely know knew and just download all this stuff knowing that he wasn't going to be rejected and I connected him with some people just to do life with him and I promised him I cannot fix you but man I want to help you in whatever way I can and we're going to be here with you through whatever this journey looks like but I'm telling you that has got to be our posture the safest place in the world for anybody there is nothing you shouldn't be able to be open about and struggle with in the local church and we would encourage progress at your pace. And again, I just want to highlight this because we want to help direct people and challenge people and inspire people. And there's a place for that and within the context of relationship. But I also just always want to highlight this. The Holy Spirit has a pace that he sets in every individual life that we constantly want to fast track. Like, let's not judge other people's progress. Do you understand that there are certain things, this is a huge thing I need to come back to later on, certain things that the Holy Spirit won't even deal with in your life until you're ready. And sometimes you're not ready for two decades. And the stuff that we see outwardly sometimes that we get absolutely just bent out of shape about is like, what are you going to do about? What are you going to do about? What are you going to do about? The Holy Spirit's got like, I've got 13 other things I need to deal with on, on them before I even get to that. Like, let's not be so obsessed with behavioral modification and actually believe what we preach that if we connect people to Jesus in community, Jesus is an amazing and powerful individual at changing people's hearts and lives. And in fact... He can transform a heart two decades before somebody's behavior catches up. I get that's messy. I get that makes some of you nervous. That's the church that we have to create because everybody's on a different journey. It's why Jesus would deal with people struggling with the same thing in two different ways. You're like, Jesus, you're inconsistent. And Jesus would say, yes, I am. Because they have two different names from two different backgrounds and two different families and two different stories. I'm not going to deal with everybody the same. Their journey looks different. And so the church has got to prioritize that. It is progress at your pace, giving room for the Spirit of God to work in your heart and not being the Spirit of God for you. And then we would lead people toward life and freedom in Jesus. And I'll come back to this at the end, but make no mistake, outsider focus doesn't de-emphasize discipleship, to use a church word. just recognizes how it happens. And discipleship doesn't happen by you focusing on you all the time. Discipleship happens by getting in the scripture, which I believe, in prayer and getting into community and connecting with Jesus more than anything else rather than a system of rules. And then recognizing the one mandate and command is to go do unto others as God has done unto us. And when you do that and you saturate yourself with Jesus, guess what happens? You begin to grow in radical ways. We want to, make no mistake, we want to reach every outsider in this community, but then we also want to inspire people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And I'll just say this, and I, I mean this with as much grace as I can. If you are following Jesus and not experiencing life and freedom, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or maybe nobody ever connected you to Jesus because Jesus, it's not easy. He never promised you easy, but it is life to the full. That is the essence of who Jesus is. It's what the church should model. And then lastly, we would focus on representing the diversity of the body of Christ. This is lost on us. 
because nobody preaches about it very much. And hopefully I can do a better job in the future. But almost all of the epistles were written about reconciliation. Almost all of Ephesians, we miss it. The underlying theme of Ephesians was reconciliation. The New Testament church, this is lost on us in many cases, the hallmark of the New Testament church, almost above anything else, was diversity. Then when the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, began to invade their hearts and lives, it changed changed culture, it changed the church, and literally people from the community would come to the edges of these new Jesus gatherings or movements that they didn't understand, and they would be in awe. Because it would be Jew and Gentile and, and Greek, and it would be a Samaritan, and it would be women, and it would be children who had a place, and it would be people on the outside, and it would be the sinners, and it would be the tax collectors, it was everybody. And all throughout the New Testament, you see the authors make the point that if you really understand the good news of Jesus, it's going to be reflected in your gathering. And there's going to be extraordinary diversity because that's what naturally happens when you connect with Jesus and you understand the reconciliation you have in Jesus. You start reconciling with other people and you sacrifice things and you give up things. Jesus' dream from the very beginning, go study church history, was a multicultural, multi-ethnic, socioeconomically diverse, multi-generational movement to the community so that they would come to the edge and go, what is wrong with these people? Why do they get along? Why does that work? They would never hang out any other place, any other way. And yet here they are as part of the body of Christ. And the only explanation is because they are connected by one thing and one person, and that is Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so listen, our priority has to be diversity, religious backgrounds, whatever your political persuasion is, all the things that we've used the last couple of years to define the church. No, it is everybody being invited in. And I get it. It is more popular than ever to go find a church where everybody just affirms everything I've always believed, um, echo chamber of all the stuff that I think about culture. I feel 100% comfortable all the time. And you can do that, and that's great. There are so many churches to choose from, and I don't mean that as a shot. There's just a lot of churches where you will feel so safe and so comfortable. If you come here for an extended period of time and I do not make you uncomfortable, we don't make you uncomfortable, please set up a Google Meet with me and call me out because we're doing it wrong. For us to be the body of Christ at some point along the way, everybody has to be uncomfortable to reflect the diversity of the movement of God in the body of Christ. And I'm just telling you, our goal for the future, and this has ticked some people off, but I'm okay with it because it's at the heart of Jesus' movement and message. I am not just a pastor to religious people. I am not just a pastor to irreligious people. I am not just a pastor to white people. I am not just a pastor to black people or Asian people. I am a pastor to people in our city, in our community. And by God's grace, we're going to represent that diversity, which means you have to sacrifice. You have to give something up. You have to empathize with other people. And I think it's one of the most irresistible invitations to follow Jesus and to glorify Jesus. It is the heart of the local church. And so I just want to ask this question. With everything I just talked about, can you imagine for some of you, some of you, this was your experience, which is amazing. You're way ahead of the game. For many of us, can you imagine if that had been your experience with the local church? For some of you, can you imagine where your marriage might be right now? For some of you, if that imperfectly, because nobody's going to get perfect, can you imagine where you might be in that decade where you walked away and then you came back with all kind of baggage you had to unwind from? Can you, for some of you, can you imagine where your student might be right now who's given a house of cards faith in Sunday school that all came crumbling down as a sophomore if they would have been in an environment that was safe for them to struggle and question where they might be? Can you imagine where your friend might be from down the street who's got all kinds of questions and doubts and church trauma and doesn't feel like there's any safe place to unload it? Can you imagine how their story would be different? So here's what I would tell you. I think that's imperfectly. And listen, we're never, as I said, going to get this perfect. But Jesus is such a skilled architect. He'll take a bunch of busted up people on mission for Jesus, and he will create a city-shaping movement out of them. And I think that's what it means to be an alternative church. It's not good music. It's not cool. It's not great branding. It's not, oh, they got a great vibe. I've never been to a church like that. That is all periphery, and there's tons of churches like that. And it doesn't mean people are safe to journey and investigate and follow Jesus. What I just talked about, those behaviors, those cultural ideals, that's what creates an alternative to church as usual for all people. Here's how Paul said it. I love the message paraphrase. This was Paul summarizing Jesus' vision for the church. And honestly, he could say it better than I can. The mystery... 
Because up until this point, they didn't know what the church was going to look like or what Jesus was starting. And now this new movement had begun. He says this mystery is that people through the church who've never heard of God and those who've heard of him all of their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, Paul said, they stand on the same ground before God. And they get the same offer, which is really good news. And they get the same help. And they get the same promises in Christ Jesus. And this is where we got this core value from. And the message is accessible and welcoming to everybody across the board. So the church better be. And then verse 10, I love this. And through, this is where you come in, through Christians like you, through Christians like yourselves, this extraordinary plan of God, and for some of you, because, you're, because of your experience, because of what you have seen from the local church and leadership, you've lost sight of the fact that there is an extraordinary plan of God. That this is an extraordinary movement when it's on mission. Paul says, this extraordinary plan of God, whether you have lost sight of it or not, is becoming known and talked about through you. Listen, I, I love the local church. And I get that there's maybe, we have more of a PR problem the last couple years, church in the West, than ever before. That, that's actually not true. It was pretty bad during the Crusades. But it's, it's been bad the last couple of years. There's a lot of church back. There's thousands of people, literally, tens of thousands of people via unfiltered radio who listen, many of them on the outside. And I get at some level where you're coming from. I get where you've been hurt. But with all that acknowledgement, there's no plan B. Like, this is it. This is the hope of the world when focused on Jesus. And you have been invited to play a part. We have been invited to play a part. And just imagine with all the trauma that you've experienced and what you're holding on to, and it's been so tough for you, you even to be here, to watch online or listen has been a huge step for you. With all that trauma, imagine, with all that hurt, the potential that is in this room or among that listening audience to maybe reshape and redefine it in a different way for a coming generation, for our city, for our neighborhood, for our culture. But Paul said it, it is Christians like you fully in, fully engaged. I'm not going to read it, so I'm going to skip this verse. But later Paul talks about it as, the, as a body. And all of us have an indispensable and strategic part. This, the church, is a body that we get to be a part of. So I want to encourage you in four ways because this is our mission. And this is your mission. And if you're trying to figure it all out and you're still not there, you don't even know what you believe, you don't have to do a single thing that I say. All I want you to leave with is this is what the church is supposed to look like in an imperfect way. And I hope one day you see it and one day maybe you'll engage and one day maybe you'll cross the line to follow Jesus. But if you're in, if you're a part of our movement, if you're starting to take a step up, this is how you can be engaged and this is what depends on you. And I'm gonna give you four things. To serve, to get into a group, to give, to invite. Now, real quick, are you still with me? Okay, first three rows, all the sinners and tax collectors. Thank you, I knew this would resonate with you. Um, the first thing I want to ask you to do is serve, to step up and serve. And here's the thing, like Paul said it, if you're not serving, something is missing. And if you're not serving, you're missing something. You've been created to do this. Somebody should have told you. When you begin to follow Jesus, it's in your DNA. And for whatever reason, God has led you. And if it's not here, go somewhere else. We'll help you find another place. Literally, I was on the phone with somebody recently. And they're like, I don't understand why you do this and that. And, all. and I was like, I get all of that. And if I grew up in church, maybe that's where I would be as well. Though we have a lot of like follow Jesus for two decades, growing, being inspired in their faith, which I love, but at the same time want to reach their community that are here. But this particular person just struggling with some stuff. And I was like, and this was serious. I was like, I know a church down the road that would be incredible for you. And I connected with them with the pastor. Hopefully he's going to send me a thank you note at some point. But I'm like, you, I want you to be at a place where you're going to thrive and you're going to grow. So if that's not here, go somewhere. But listen, for so many of you who believe in this, that your life has been changed, there are some needs that in some ways only you can see. There are some people only you can relate to. You have a story that intersects with somebody that, that's different than what anybody else brings to the table. And I'm telling you, you may not feel like it, but it's true. And when you serve in a lot of ways, it opens up the door. And I've experienced this so many times to God clarifying purpose and vision in other areas of your life. And I've said this from the very beginning. What we do matters. We do not park cars because people cannot park cars in the parking lot. That's not the main goal. Some of you can't. That's another story. You should get help with that. 
That's not the main goal. It is, we're not smiling and just serving coffee because that would be a cool thing to do. There is one question that everybody asks every time they show up on our property or they view us online. And contrary to what people think, they don't really care about your theology in a post-Christian culture. They're not asking about your band. They'll, you know, it, Children are important, but that's not the number one question. They're asking one question when they show up, and that is, do you care? Or is, this as, or is this more of what I've already experienced? Is this a safe place for me? Because I know me, and I need what is safe. And we get to answer that question every single time. Never underestimate what God's calling you to do. Nobody has been called by God to park cars. But you have been called to be a conduit for the power of God. And he will take ordinary things and create extraordinary momentum and power out of that. And some of you know the story of that. So I want you to serve. Listen, why would you simply consume? And one more thing, and I got to go. And the, I realize with these messages, the more I preach them, the longer I go, the more sarcastic I get. So I've got to rein it in. But listen, come on. We can't afford too many consumers. And here's why. Now, if you don't believe, none of this applies to you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, consumers ultimately lead to what has turned you off most about religion and church. Because consumerism is one step away from self-centeredness and making your faith all about you. And when you become self-centered, you, you eventually become religious. And when you become religious and it's all about you, eventually you are impossible to be around. And if we have too many of you, we'll just be like the church that you grew up in that a lot of you left. We need you to engage. And come on, why would you consume when you can engage and have a part in changing your city and changing your neighborhood? I wanna encourage everybody over these next like, couple days or next 24 hours, just go to the app. We had people do this after the 9 a.m. service. Go to the Center Point Church Florida app, go to the website and sign up right now. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, just start somewhere and we'll help direct you. But serve, engage, you're a part of this body. Second thing is groups. And I'm gonna go real quick. But I'm going to introduce somebody at the end that I'm so excited about to help lead in this area. But we're going to provide more in this area than ever before over this next year. In fact, we spent about a year strategizing around this area that wherever you're at in faith, we want to provide a next step for you. Whether that's I need a long-term group or I need a short-term group where I'm you know, looking at things like parenting or marriage or trauma or you know, mental illness or how to study the Bible. We're also, for the first time, launching growth groups, which are year-long, to use a Bible term, in, in, uh, discipleship intensive. So you're like, I want to be like all in. I want to study something for a year. I want to do homework. And for some of you, that sounds horrible. But for others of you, like, that's like, that's where I'm at. That's my next step. We're going to provide a step for you. But you have to be willing to take it. And here's what I'll promise you. The longer you sit in a row without taking a step into deeper community, the more the divide grows between the church you and the real you. Because over time, you'll, get, you'll just get used to faking it. And you'll show up with your you know, stick figure family bang down to a cross in your minivan with a huge Bible. And how's things going? Great, great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. And the divide is growing between the church you that shows up every single week and the real you that's actually struggling with real stuff. If we want to be an authentic church, it means we need to be an authentic community. That's an overused word, but you need to get into a group. You need to get into a smaller community. And then one last promise for some of you. This is not fatalistic, but this is true. The next year is going to be one of the most difficult years of your life. You don't even know that yet. And if you have not rooted yourself in community, here's what I'll promise you, because I've walked with a lot of people, and I've been this person in really dark times. The thing that you need most when everything hits the fan is the thing that you're going to resist. The thing that you need most will be the thing that you resist the most, and that's community. And so you need to anchor yourself in community now with people that at some level maybe share faith, share a worldview, begin to develop relationship. I'm not talking about support groups. I'm just talking about natural relationship and friendship so that when stuff hits the fan, and it will, you'll have people that are there for you. But listen, we need to be in a community. In a couple of weeks, we're going to launch all of these. All the information will be there. All you have to do is go check it out, sign it up. If you need personal help, we're going to help you. I know it's inconvenient. I know you don't have time for it. I know it doesn't seem urgent. There will come a day when it will be urgent, so prioritize it now. Prioritize it for your student now, for your kid now. Here's the thing, one quick story. My pre-K kid, who were there in small group every single week because we did not realize like everything else, we were arrogant parents. And we're like, we got this. And now our kids are almost 10, 8, 6, 3. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how much help we needed. And I don't think the local church can parent 
your kids for you, but I'm telling you, I did not know how much I needed their help. And I had, like, I had a small group leader show up to my kids pre-K graduation. And I'm telling you, that's not because I'm the pastor. This is incredible people in there. And if you get in community long enough, it'll shape your life. It'll start to shape the lives of your kids and your students. And so I want to ask you to serve. I want to ask you to get in the community. Third thing, I want to ask you to give. And I know for some of you, I'm talking about give financially. There's so much baggage with this, so you can just tune this out. It's fine. There's a reason we don't ever pass like a plate or a basket or whatever they do, because we don't ever want to make this an obstacle. We say it over and over again and mean it. We want something for you, not from you. But do not be mistaken. We get no outside help. Every baptism, every story of life change, every person who gives their life to Jesus, every person who gets freed of addiction, it is because so many of you, like my family, have sacrificially given week in and week out, and those things would not, be, would not happen without your financial generosity. You make that happen. And then one other thing that I unapologetically celebrate over and over again, and I don't even care, but I'm so proud of our church. Last year, and I hope the same is true this year, we gave more money away to nonprofits in our community than any other nonprofit in the greater Brandon area, which speaks so much... To your generosity. Food scarcity, homelessness, crisis, all of those things. We have about 10 partners that we work with that throughout the year. We're about to launch something a month from now where we even make it a greater focus month to month around specific projects. So every year we're funneling money to them, funneling resources to them. You have done an extraordinary work. So I, I first of all just want to say thank you. But every year during these vision things, I launch a vision offering, which is over and above regular giving around one specific area where we can go further faster. And so between now and the end of August, we have a vision 2022 offering, and it is exclusively geared toward next gen this year. Um, when I started, was that a clap? It was so wholehearted and um, when I started the church selfishly, seriously, I wanted to create a church my kids would love coming to. And I have no guarantees of where they're going to be at 18, but with everything in me, I want to at least not be an obstacle where they leave the local church to go, I'm not sure about all of it, but I'm telling you, my experience with the local church and my experience with Jesus has been amazing. I, wanna, I want kids to experience that. Many of you know we moved into this facility right before COVID hit for the first time full-time. And we've renovated a lot of this. It was in a lot of disrepair. We inherited it. We're so grateful for what God did with that, but a lot of work that needed to be done. We did what we could, like, aesthetically to our children's space. And um, eventually we have plans for additional auditorium when, as things normalize culturally, our church um, through every season has grown significantly. As people come back, those trends speed up again. But the first thing we have to do is upgrade our next-gen environment. Right now, it, it We've done what we could, but it's kind of institutional looking. It looks a little more like a prison than it does a children's environment. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, some of you feel very at home, but it's like, um, all right, I, gotta, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to go quicker. Um, I'm getting way off script. But here's what every kid that sees their faith flourish, here's what they need. They need a person and they need a place. They need a someone, they need a somewhere. I'm telling those, those people right now that are going crazy with the, whatever they're doing today with the emoji like theme and, and, and sitting down with those elementary kids and the, you know, those pre-K kids and investing them in small they are heroes, man. And they are like for real. And, and we have seen so, like so many kids have a someone, have a person, and we're seeing so many incredible things happen with our next gen all the way up. But they also need a place. And some of you maybe don't know this, but many of you do. Context is everything. And so we're about to go through and renovate. In fact, some of the changes are already being made. But to fully finish this is going to require you and many from our church. And over the next about six weeks to the end of August, we're going to raise $300,000, which sounds like a ton. It's not as much as you think with how big our church is. And from many who still give online who've not come back in person yet, and believe it or not, that's still a, a pretty big uh, group of people. And so I just want everybody to participate. If you've had bad experiences, don't give anything. I don't care. We're good. We're going to continue to invest in your kids for the next five years or however long you're here because our hope is to connect people with Jesus. But here's what I want is I want every kid to get up on Sunday morning and drag their, their, their 
um, parent to church. I, I heard from a grandparent several weeks ago, got up, didn't want to come to church. I won't ask how many of you were there today, but like we just have those days. They were watching their grandkids. They got up and like, we have to come to CC Kids today because I forget what they were doing. And so they literally drug their grandma to church. I'm like, that's the kind of church that I want to create. And so we're going to go through over the next couple weeks, if, if we're able to do this to complete it, you're seeing a bunch of changes over there already. We're going to make every environment incredible, engaging, fun, um, geared toward kids where they love it, to where they come in, and there's a wow factor to it. Um, so there's, a, I won't even go through all the changes. Then there's a bunch of non-sexy stuff that we got to do. Um, we've got to sound treat the whole thing top to bottom because the acoustics are a nightmare, which are really difficult for small group leaders. We've got to carpet the whole thing. We've got to redo floors. Um, We've got to redo windows. We've got to take care of a flood, flood problem. Again, I know none of that stuff's sexy, but we inherited those problems, and we want a great environment for our kids. And listen, here, and I'll, I'll end this, but for some of you, you grew up, and nobody meant to do this, and, you know, maybe you were a person that did this, and this was just the context of your local church, so I'm not, like, throwing shade, but you grew up in a, a church environment when you were growing up where basically you got the message every single week of, like, the church is boring, the Bible's boring, God's boring. Come back next week. And then you came back next week, and they were like, the church, they doubled down. Church is boring, the Bible's boring, God's boring. You're like, got it. And then when you got to like 16, you could not leave quick enough. And I understand that's not the only thing. Ultimately, we want to anchor them to Jesus. But creating the environment, what we call irresistible environments, goes a long, long way with pre-K and elementary and kids, like capturing their imagination. So I just always ask this question, what is the faith of the next generation worth? And we don't ever think about this, but because we're all about crisis management and we should be, like healing a marriage, addiction, you know, recovering from regret. That's, that's the role of the local church. But, but do you ever think about what's, what we do that's preventative? What, what about kids that get in circles and they start to, we, we're creating an environment where they get to download their questions so that their faith isn't kicked out from under them as a 21-year-old. And you're never going to know about that, but you're investing in that. And what about the kids that are, that are understanding who Jesus is in such a way that they're not going to experience some of the trauma that you experience. Well, what about like the picture that, that hopefully we're giving them about a, a perfect heavenly father that as they begin to follow Jesus, who's a representation of the heavenly father, maybe they're going to avoid the decade of regret that you piled up. What about all the preventative stuff? So come on, what's the, what's the faith of the next generation worth? I mean, I think about this for my kids. They're not that old yet. They haven't accumulated a bunch of regret. I'm almost sure they're, they're going to they're gonna accumulate some. And like me, they're going to have some decisions they wish they could rewind. But you know what I'm trying to do right now? You know what I'm trying to create right now? Is that I anchor so deep in their heart. And we anchor so deep in their heart. The message of Jesus. That when it goes off the rails at 25... Maybe they got to figure out how to recover. The one thing they'll never, never doubt because they learned it from us is that God's love is relentless and it's unending and it never runs out. And in that moment, the thing that they're going to be anchored to is like, yes, I've got some regret, but God's grace and love is bigger than any of my decisions and any of my regrets. So unapologetically, without blinking an eye, we invest a ton in the next generation. And we'll constantly lead that, lean that direction because there's not a lot of churches reaching the next generation. 20-somethings are leaving in droves. We're going to make an impact in our community and our city. And so I'm going to give to this. I've given from the very beginning to start this church and sacrifice a lot. And that's not a pat on my back. It's, I just believe in this so much. And so... Over the next six weeks, we'd love for you to participate. Right now, if you go to our app or website, there's a little drop down. It just says Vision 2022 Offering. We're going to give like crazy. You're going to see the results even over the next six weeks. And um, as we move into the fall, which I think is going to be massive for us, we're going to create an incredible environment and context for kids' lives to be changed forever. So that's what we're doing in the area of giving. And then last one, serve, groups, give and then invite, and I'm gonna go through this quick, but 30 seconds occurs. I just wanna encourage you, especially over this next month, because you have so many opportunities, invite one person. I love um, the story, I gotta be done with the stool now. Um, if I pull this away, I'm gonna be quicker. I'm gonna land the plane quicker, that's a lie. Um, 
I love the story of Philip and Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's like, can anything good come from Nazareth? I think this guy, Jesus, he's a fraud. And Phil, I love Philip's answer. This is our answer. He's like, I don't know. I can't answer all the questions. You should just come and see. And honestly, this, this is my invite for people in the local. I'm just like, hey, we're an alternative to church as usual. I can't answer all your questions. I don't know. I'm not going to argue you into anything because Jesus wouldn't do that. But you should just come and see. You should just come and check it. I get you're traumatized. You got, I, I understand all of that. You should just take the risk to come and see. And then I invite them, and I don't tell them the pastor, and so there's a huge surprise when I come out and speak. And I'm, but I'm just telling you, so many times I've watched God open the doors to incredible conversation and legit life change because of that initial 30 seconds of courage to go, you should just come and see, and maybe your view of the local church, and then consequently Jesus might be rearranged forever. And then last thing, here's why it's important, not just so somebody can come to church. You need this. We need this. Because the quickest way to be reminded about the need and not get into your insulary little, well, I've been following Jesus for five years and I'm cool and everything's great. And you just forget. You forget what it's like to be on the outside. You need to invite people that you sit right next to that don't believe what you believe. And you need to see everything through their eyes because that's what happens. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you grew up in a denomination, like, why don't we do eight songs? And then you invite a friend and midway through the second, you're like, this is going kind of long. And like, it's weird. And I hope Brian doesn't say something crazy because you just view everything differently, don't you? Because you're in, you don't care, you, you know. But man, to your friend that's taking a risk and trying it out, you just see everything with crystal clear clarity. In fact, for some of you, you'll invite somebody over this next year, and it almost immediately through one service answer the question of why we do some of the things that we do that you think are weird. It's because it's not just about you. It's about our community, it's about our city. And come on, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to get 30 seconds of courage to invite somebody. So I need you to go on and to serve, to give, to get into a group, to invite. And I think our potential in front of us is extraordinary. And I say that because there are amazing churches all over our city and community. I wanna celebrate the local church. I love it, it's God's plan A. But more than ever in a post-Christian culture, there are thousands of people in our neighborhood who walked away and they have not been back. And they have a view of the local church and Jesus that needs rearranged and redefined forever. And I'll just tell you, there's a lot of cool churches with good bands. There's not a lot of churches doing this. For many of you, crisis of the last two years has clarified what we're really about as a church. And I'm so proud of us because we are reaching more outsiders than ever before. And what's in front of us is so huge because the need is so huge. We are going to leave an imprint on our city and community and probably through unfiltered way beyond our city and community. Not because we're great, because the need's great. And we, you ever thought about it? We get the chance because we are the body of Christ be the closest thing anybody gets to experiencing Jesus this side of heaven. Let's do it well. Let's take the baton and redefine it well for people coming behind us. Let's, let's have an impact in our city and community because we are the church. And it is, hear me clearly, it is not for the sake of the name of Centerpoint. It is for the sake of the name of Jesus. The only name that has the power to redeem, reconcile, and restore. I'm going to tell you one more story and I'm going to be done. Uh, I mentioned Lauren at the beginning that was so much a part of this vision. I haven't told the story in several years, but several years ago, I got a direct message out of nowhere and she, she's like, hey, this is Lauren. I don't know if you remember me. We worked together and I'm like, as I'm reading, I'm like, absolutely, I remember you. But we had lost contact um, early on. I hadn't spoken with her in years. And she's like, um, I came across your podcast. I don't know if she like, you know, Google stocked, whatever she did, but she came across a podcast, she started to listen to it. And she's like, I just want you to know, I don't know if you remember me. I'm like, yes, I remember you. I tell your story all the time. I probably should have got permission, but I didn't know where you went. But like, I tell your story all the time. And she's like, I, I began listening to the podcast. There was this series, Getting Past Your Past, I did years ago. And she's like, through listening to that podcast, I began a relationship with Jesus. And I got connected in a local church in another state. And then she said, I just want to thank you for creating a church that for the first time in my life, I was able to connect to. And... Um, I, I just, like tears in my eyes and I, I messaged her back right away and I was like absolutely I remember you and you have no idea the role that you played in clarifying the vision for the church that had an impact on you to actually lead you to Jesus in another part of the country and so I really heard thank you is to you thank you for creating a church like that and here, here's what I know here's what I know and I, again I say this unapologetically I, 
If you're married, you should give everything you got to your spouse. You should raise your kids well. That should be your greatest, I think, measure of success. If, if you're single in your 30s and 40s and you're in business, man, go to the marketplace and rep Jesus as hard as you can. But this is going to be one of the most impactful things that you do with your life because it's in your DNA. And here's what I tell you because I've sat with a lot of people in their deathbeds. The thing that you are going to value most about your life are the parts of it that you gave away. Give your life away. Surrender your life away. Don't make it about you. And if we get enough people to do this, an army of people to do this, we will change our city. We will change our neighborhood. And so as we close, here's what I want to do. It's a little bit different ending right before a song comes. Here's why I'm so excited. It's hard for me not to just keep talking about this. So excited about the future because every church has a potential. And one of my roles as a pastor leader is just to maximize our potential, whatever that is. And why I think that our greatest days are still in front of us, even though that's such a cliche, is because one of my dreams was to, to somehow God to lead some of the best business and ministry leaders onto our staff to, to lead this forward in our community. And God's done that. And I just want to say to those of you who are leading as bridge builders in our church, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your sacrifice. And then I want to introduce you to some of our new leaders that um, they're not here because we can pay market value. or They're here because they so, they're amazing leaders in our community and so believe in what we're doing. And I believe because of their leadership and an army of people, uh, what we do is going to reverberate. And our greatest days are ahead. So I just want to introduce these people and then I'm going to pray over. This is our brand new elder team um, of incredible individuals. We call it directional team because we have so many on church, they don't know what elder team is. And they're like, is that a cult? So this is our directional team. Um, oh, just 5,000 foot over our mission and vision, extraordinary leaders, most of in the marketplace and, and a part of, of what we're doing going forward. And so I want to pray over them today as they uh, step into these roles. And then I want to introduce you to some of our brand new staff because I think this can get lost. This isn't all our staff. This is just our brand new staff for the last uh, 9 to 12 months extraordinarily talented people that God's led our way. If you don't know the rest of our staff and you maybe only know me or Nicole, go to our website, get to know all of them. Um, people like Angela over all of our communications. But I am so grateful for what God's done. Those of you who are funding this, those of you who continue to need to step up, step up to be a part of what God's doing. But this is an unbelievable group of people. And because of this, I think God's gonna do something incredible in the days ahead. And then I wanna introduce and point out one person specifically, um, not because he's like more special than everybody else, but Jonathan Shepard. He is two weeks on. He's an answer, a huge answer to prayer because we don't wanna just be an outsider focused church that accumulates a bunch of people or is 100 fastest growing church. All that stuff is, who cares? We want to reach people and help them take a next step in following Jesus and being inspired to follow Jesus and growing in their faith. So John is assuming the role of associate adult engagement pastor. I joked earlier, I think we're gonna just change that because it's too confusing for me. Um, but here's what it means, just broken down for you. Over all of our groups, to use a church word, all of our discipleship, spiritual pathway, helping people grow, assimilation, connection. And so I wanted to specifically introduce him because if you're an adult here, um, at some level, you're gonna interface with him and his team. But we have spent the last year focusing on this area. And this is a massive step forward as we kind of, you know, normalize a little bit culturally and, and as we're growing as a church to really help people take next steps in their journey. This was an incredibly difficult hire that John made easier once we met him because it was really difficult to find somebody that theologically kind of knew where we were going, got it, had the expertise, but also, also understood what we do as a church and that could kind of make it simple and street level and knows it's a little messy and we're a church for all people. And John, 100%, um, I, I really believe is that guy, incredible family, um, a long time in ministry. He's completing his doctorate right now and just can't wait uh, for all he does as he leads us in the future. So officially welcome, man, along with everybody else. Yeah. And they give it up for John Shepherd. And in just a second, if you would just um, pray over kind of our leadership and I think this next season um, of our church and where we're going, man. But excited to have you along yeah, with everybody else. Thank you. That was high praise, high praise. Can we give it up for Bryant, our like lead? Just uh, so good. Just thank you. I know it was like, you're like cramming stories in and stuff, but like, it's so valuable. I did, and we're so. long, but I'll do better next week. I right. tried. I really I'll pray, tried. I'll pray. I'll get, I'll get right. to it. All right, here we go. God, thank you so, so, so much for this community, this, this gathering, this uh, group of people that are right here, right now, ready to be your hands and feet in this community. Um, God, I just pray that you give us the vision that we need, that you give us uh, all the resources and the talent 
um, the recognition of the people around us, that we would be ready to make a difference in this coming season, that, uh, that you just set us up so well with amazing leadership and guidance and direction and the things that have been slowly being worked and weaved into this church over the last decade are, are blossoming in crazy ways. And so, um, God, I just pray that you would be a part of it, that your spirit would guide us, that you would give us um, just incredible tenacity through this season, that we would go for it like never before, that we would be people ready to move as you move, God. And so um, we just lift up these leaders. We lift up these people here. We lift up the people listening online that we would be incredible leaders for your kingdom, God. And I pray this in your name. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.